Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, back together. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm great. I'm great, DJ. Had to make a quick little trip to Jacksonville. Had a chance to have a one-on-one with Calvin Ridley. Uh, the first time that he actually talked to people. And so it was great uh, to catch up with him, having known him as a youngster, but then to kind of see him kind of come out of this, this dark period. It was great to catch up, man. It was really good to see him. All right. We got to we gotta have to uh, – we're going to have to clip off some of that, and we're going to put it in the next in the next pod because I'm looking forward to hearing that conversation. Where can, where can everybody that's listening to us right now find it? Um, so they can go to jaguars.com uh, and see it. Uh, we put it on the Jaguars uh, main channels, but they also can go to YouTube and find the Jaguars channel. It's on that. And then we did some stuff on Total Access last night that included the feature. So it's, it's everywhere. It was a good conversation. I love it. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And again, one of the – it's going to go down as one of the best acquisitions, I think, in the last year for what they got him, pennies on the dollar. A legit number one wide receiver throwing him in there with Trevor and company. That's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a fun team to watch going forward with the Jags. A couple things we're going to hit on today, Buck. We are going to do the defensive recap from the Combine. Uh, we did the offense the other day. If you've missed that, go back and listen to that one. We're going to talk about some of the Lamar Jackson stuff that's going on uh, as well. But I, I, I'm going to start off here. Uh, new top 50. I just dropped that one today. It's out. You can find that. Uh, I don't know, I think it's NFL.com slash top 50 or something like that. You can find it. It'll, it'll be out there. But in terms of sliding the players around, Buck, we've talked about it before. I, this year, for me, more movement through the process than I can ever remember. I think it's because everybody's so equally graded that watching mm-hmm. a little more tape on guys, getting a chance to see them in an all-star setting, seeing the workouts at the combine, finding out from buddies the interviews, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, all those things – make for a lot of movement on these on these boards as we are uh, coming down the home stretch here. Yeah, DJ, I think it's really a reflection of the class. I think this class is loaded with good, maybe really good players. I don't know if we have any great prospects. We're used to seeing uh, the Miles Garrett's of the world, the Jamar Chases of the world, um, guys that are dominant players at the top of the board, the, the transcendent quarterback, Joe Burrows, and those kind of guys. We don't necessarily have that. I think we have more questions on the guys at the top, which is probably why I think you could probably conservatively say maybe 15 to 18 guys would carry consensus first-round grades, but that's far fewer than we normally see in a draft. Normally you get 18 to 24 guys that are everyone says, hey, these are first-round guys. I think there's more uncertainty about the first-round talent 
but it's really loaded when it comes to the second and third rounds where you're confident that there are a lot of day two guys that can come and make contributions. No, no doubt. Uh, I want to hit you up with one question on this, um, and then we'll, we'll get moving because we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Um, but I, I ended up moving, we talked about it a little bit the other day, Anthony Richardson into the third quarterback spot, Levis in the fourth quarterback spot. But I had this thought, and you remember when we, we talked about this before, but when, when Hertz was coming out, and that was the name that was in my head, and just, mm-hmm. gosh, just feel like, we're low on this guy. Like he's gonna, he's gonna be a good player. There's too many things in his favor. Uh, to me, Hendon Hooker is that guy in this draft where you just kind of. Yeah. I, I don't know if your spidey senses, if you feel yeah. it like the tingle in your fingers, and you're like, ah, man, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'll bet on him. So I had this conversation with somebody with the team uh, earlier this morning, and it brought up a good, it brought up a good conversation. I said, okay, your children's lives are on the line. I don't like doing that to you, Bucky, but we got to in this discussion. Yeah. Children's lives on the yeah. line. We got to win a game tomorrow. The game is tomorrow, and we're assuming everybody's healthy. Would you trust Hendon Hooker, or would you trust Will Levis in that game? Uh, Hendon Hooker is the easy one for me. DJ, uh, he's the third best quarterback in my top five. Even with the injury, I have him behind TJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Then it's Hendon Hooker. When I look at Hendon Hooker, the more that I watch him, the more I fall in love with his game and what he could be. Uh, we talk about in this process, you would love to hit home runs, but a lot of games have been won with doubles. And I think he's a double. I think he's right in between uh, uh, center and left field. You're going to turn at the corner, and you're going to stand on second with a stand-up double. I think this guy is smart. I love his attributes. The experience matters because everyone is going to be looking for the next Brock Purdy type. And the one thing that we can say, it happened with Kenny Pickett, as well as Brock Purdy and some of these other guys that got on the field right away, that experience matters. The number of total snaps, the number of attempts, your ability to play this game over and over and over at the collegiate level certainly helps. And Hendon Hooker's experience and maturity, I think, is a huge advantage is why I believe he'll be very successful in the National Football League. All right. So let me, let me pose you a couple questions here about Hendon Hooker. Because I'm with you, Buck, and I get that sense that, you know, I put him in my top 50. I moved him up just a spot or two in this uh, in this last update. But he is my project between now and when we do the next one is sometime early in April, the next update. I'm going to go through and watch every Hendon Hooker play. I haven't had a chance to just go all the way through, but I want to go all the way through because I feel like you. I feel like this is the guy that's uh, that's got a chance to be a really, really good player that, that we're low. That personally, I'm all, you're on him. I'm, I'm low on him. I feel that. So. But I want to take take you down a little run of teams here, and you tell me if you think that it makes sense for them to take Hennon Hooker in the first round. You ready? Mm-hmm. Let, let's start with Tampa Bay at nineteen. Mm. That's a good one. That's take Hennon Hooker or Kyle Trask. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll roll the dice on Hennon Hooker all day. Injury and all, I'll take him all day in terms of how he plays it. I believe he, he he's a better player, better prospect than Kyle Trask. All right, so there's one for you. Um, how about with everything that's going on, and we'll see. Maybe they end up getting a deal done. Maybe they play on the tag, but the Baltimore Ravens at 23. I mean, if you're going to be in a situation where not only do we not – with Lamar, it's twofold. Number one, not only do we not know if we're going to have him long-term. Number two, even if we do have him, we, he's missing games. Like, we got to have somebody that's really ready to go in there and play. And I think, to me, I, Tyler Huntley's a nice player. Hennon Hooker is a much better passer than Tyler Huntley. Never underestimate – the change that will happen with that offense with Todd Munkin coming in and Greg Roman departing. 
as much as they say they want to keep the base the same, there's a way to be a run-centric team with a more traditional passing game. Hendon Hooker offers that. Also, when he's healthy, he's athletic enough to do what we talk about at quarterback. We only need a quarterback to get four or five yards when he pulls it on the read option. That is enough four or five times a game to make the defense play on it. Hendon Hooker is more than capable of being able to do that. So, yes, he would fit Baltimore. It also would help them usher in an offensive change if they want to do that. Yeah, I, I just I, I think that you can make a strong argument there. Last one I'll give you in the same ballpark, uh, the Minnesota Vikings at pick 24. They tried to do this a couple of different times. They went with Kellen Mond a couple of years ago. It didn't necessarily work out. Now you have Kevin O'Connell, who is looking for a quarterback that is maybe more traditional. Hooker is traditional in how he plays with the athleticism. You have Kirk Cousins, but at some point, you kind of reach the ceiling with what Kirk Cousins is and what he can do with this team. You got to find somebody younger. This is a perfect opportunity for them to do it because it's not the rush to get them on the field. The other team I would include in that, Everyone is trying to, like, connect the dots with Seattle and Anthony Richardson. Hooker could be the play because that second first-round pick they have, they have the luxury of being able to redshirt him behind Geno Smith. I'm not saying their games are the same, but there's some similarities between Geno Smith and Hooker stylistically when you look at the way they played the game in college. So my point is, to kind of sum up the Hen and Hooker conversation, even if let's say you stack your board and he's they say he's 39, say he's 45, you're seeing it right now with Jalen Hurts. The difference between having that fifth year and that fourth year, you get to ride that, you get to ride the cheap train a little longer in the first round on a quarterback. So if you're thinking he's a second round guy and you're picking in the in the 20s or you're picking, you know, and you've got a couple first round picks. Buck, I mean, now you get a chance to, okay, you're, you're Seattle. Okay, we paid Geno for a year or two here on this new contract. It's not a ton of money. It's not a long-term commitment. And then we could be sitting pretty. We're Hen and Hooker like year three. Man, we could do what the Eagles did this year and just stack the roster around a cheaper quarterback. It works. Jalen Hurts' success is going to help more quarterbacks than a lot of us can anticipate. Not only will you have people talk about the Brock Purdy thing, but – Jalen Hurts, in terms of digging into the intangibles and buying on the intangible qualities for a player getting better, that helps. With Jalen Hurts, we always knew there was a level of maturity, uh, professionalism, uh, a focus. He had all those things. You saw it in college. When you talk to people who know Hooker, those are the same attributes that he has displayed during his time, first at Virginia Tech, but then at Tennessee. He is the wild card of the group. The one that when he gets picked, people may be surprised that he goes a lot sooner than anyone anticipates. No doubt. Um, all right, let's get uh, quick thoughts here. Daniel Jones signs a contract. We saw that coming. Um, I think one aspect of that that I don't think I've seen anybody talk about is, uh, you know, when you say, okay, man, maybe it was a couple million more than what I thought he was going to get. But by getting him done, it allowed them to franchise Saquon. And I think if Saquon got to the market, I think that number is probably more 14, 15 range for Saquon Barkley. So it's like, okay, well, we'll just take a couple of the million bucks we were going to have to pay Saquon if he would have got to the market, and we'll just give that to him. And now we, the, the ba- it balances itself out is what I'm getting to. Well, it balances itself out. And depending on if you're Saquon, do you really want to leave the Giants? Uh, now that you have the franchise tag, $10 million. So now you have to negotiate off that number. So maybe it's a three-year, $36 million deal if you're the Giants. And you're okay with that because $12 million is kind of like the going rate for those top running backs. And because of the injury history, 
the Jazz certainly would be okay with that. It's just a matter of is Aquan going to be okay with that. I know he doesn't want to go into the year playing on the franchise tag. You never want to get into that year rental status when you're running back. So it probably puts the odds more in their favor so they can get a long-term deal done with their running back. Yeah, and the Daniel Jones thing, put a pin in that one, finalize it. It's, you know, two years, I believe, the 40th a year. But the third year, if you look at it, I believe it drops way down. So really, it's just the way contracts work, right? If if you're the agent, you can talk to the player and you can feel a win. Hey, we got 40 a year for two. And if you're the team, like 37-5 for three. I mean, like, we feel good about that. You know, like we, everybody can win. That's what the whole thing in negotiation. You can come up with ways that everybody can win, which gets me to my next question to you. Lamar not having an agent, there's nobody to massage that message. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's just saying, look, I want this guaranteed money. And you don't have an agent to buffer that and say, look, this is guaranteed money. But instead of just giving you three years at mm-hmm. 150, they're giving you six years with dummy years on the back, but you're still getting the 150 guaranteed. It just everybody wins. We get our 150 and they get to to spread out the, the cap cost. Yeah, that's the nuance of it, DJ. Because what you said is Ultimately, quarterbacks want a short-term deal because he has to understand uh, the big contracts are coming. When people mm-hmm. talk about Jalen Hurts potentially getting well over $50 million if he goes, you have to think, if I'm a team, I want to be on the front end of this movement Heck rather yeah. than the back end. Heck and so yeah. if, if you structure the contract with Lamar Jackson where you say, hey, let's be able to get out of this after three years, you know, because if you talk about him being really adamant about the guaranteed money, okay, let's do this. Let's go three for 125, 130, whatever it was, whether you guarantee it or not, he's going to get all of it. You want to be able to get to the next contract. So whether it was six years with voidables at the end or like that poison pill where you have to get out of it, you want to be able to get another crack at it. I understand the trepidation of injury and those things, but hopefully his game is evolving so he can play long anyway. If he continues to be a run-heavy guy that was doing what they were doing previously – it was going to be hard for him to get another contract beyond this one anyway. Yeah. No, it's it's an interesting one. We'll follow that one along. By the way, uh, real quick, you're not buying – all this stuff, everybody's freaking out about all these teams saying they're not in on. If, if this is not – this is gamesmanship, man. Like, I'm not buying that. You could say you're not interested, but I, why would you want to come out and say, yes, we're interested? Man, we're all interested. Let's drive the price up as high as it can go. Of course you're going to say you're not interested. Well, now, because I saw Tom Pelissero's tweet where he talked about the two-day window. You cannot negotiate with franchise players until March 15th. So no one can talk to Lamar Jackson right now. Why would you say you're you're interested? Why would you say that? That like I felt like sometimes that we look for for a reason to get angry and upset. And I'm Mm -hmm. sitting here going, like, guys, step back. This is not that. This is gamesmanship. This is I don't want to let everybody know that we're in. Oh, I really, you know what? (laughs) I really like my cards. I really like them. You know, like, it's not how you play poker, man. It's not how you play poker. And also, we know you don't want to be the first one at the table. We know for sure Jalen Hurst has to negotiate his deal. Don't want to do my deal before he does his. Yeah. You know, Herbert's, have, Herbert and Burrow are coming. It is in my best interest to wait. Also, with some of those teams like the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins need to wait until after the draft before they can jump they in. If they one, jump yeah. in, they don't have a one, so they have to wait. So some of this is like, oh, we can say that. But yeah. Let's let it play out. No need to have all the anger. No need to have all the other stuff. But if anything, he should look at a Daniel Jones dealing like, okay, Daniel Jones, tell me. I know exactly mm-hmm. what that is because you can't compare me to him based on my mm-hmm. accomplishments. And then you continue to build it. The big thing will be 
is Lamar Jackson really stuck on the fully guaranteed money. That is the thing. And I think one of the things that people don't talk about when it comes to that is not only the guaranteed money that you're doing, it's how much money has to go in escrow right away. Yeah, The Haslands can do it because, shoot, they just bought up a chunk of the Milwaukee Bucks. I know. With yeah. some loose change. Yeah. Like people never talk about how liquid they are. So that is, that is a big part of it. Yeah, you don't want to give the player that. Too, you got to have the cash to put away right now. And so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Matt, well, let's revisit that again. If we get to the start of the season and he makes it through this whole offseason and he gets no nibbles, then we can have some of those conversations people are having now. I just think it's a little early. It's a little early to have that chat at this point in time. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back again. We'll look on the defensive side of the combine, takeaways, uh, what we saw, and, uh, and standouts. We'll get to that right after this. All right, Buck, let's let's get to some combine chat here. Uh, we broke down the offense the other day. You look at the defense. If we look front up front on the defensive line, you know, you had some some crazy stands at, standouts. Kalijah Kansi, you know, running four six seven at 281 pounds. Uh, Adebaware from Northwestern running a 449 at 282, which by the way, I don't know about you, but and talking to folks around the league, that was the number where everybody was like, come on, man, mm-hmm. like this. This track is either this track is really fast or the trigger finger on the starter is really slow. But there was a little bit, uh, everybody was a little bit suspect on the numbers that we were seeing this year. Yeah, because I mean, it was a lot faster than we've seen. You talk about the track being that fast. It used to be where you didn't want to run it in Indianapolis because you worried about it being slow. Now you're seeing how fast guys are running. It, it, it's encouraging. These workouts, though, for the D line, and I don't know if I told you this, I had a conversation with John Fox and John Fox. Uh, at the time, I told him, he said, you know, Bug, when I look at football now, the biggest mismatch is the D-line versus the O-line. The superheroes on the defensive line are far superior athletes than the guys that we're seeing on the O-line. So it's not even fair, the guys that you're putting out there asking in the pass rush against these guys that don't have the athleticism to deal with what they're facing. And when you watch the combine play out and you see these guys who are fast as all get out at 280 plus 300 pounds, who have great first step quickness, burst, and all that. I don't know how you do it. I mean, it's just a crazy thing that you think about. Think about Lucas Van Ness. I know. You know the buzz four, five, that associated. The buzz that is associated with him. You know, people have talked about him being a worker bee off the line, and you know the tryhard thing narrative they may put on him. But then you look up; he's another outstanding athlete. I I, I just think now you talk about the track or whatever. They're just different dudes on the D-line. And it makes sense because I've heard you say this about the Philadelphia Eagles. I heard Joe Banner talk the other day on Rich Eisen's show, and he was just talking about how the Philadelphia Eagles model of quarterback and investing in the trenches. DJ, if if you get the trenches right, it makes the game a whole lot easier on both sides of the ball. 100%. And I think you mentioned Lucas Van Ness. That could be their pick. Uh, That could be their pick right there at number 10. Plug I mean, he fits, he, fits, he fits the profile. One, they play with guys that work hard. Tremendous motors. Everyone on that defensive line, they play hard. So you see yep. that. The man, the athleticism, first step quickness and burst. You see his 10 split. You see how he gets off, how he went through the drills in terms of turning and changing direction. He's a guy, and, and it's funny because there is some of that debate. Like, man, is he really worth it? When you look at the stack production, athleticism with great effort gives you a chance. Yep. Uh, a couple other nuggets here. I thought Will Anderson had a really good workout. I didn't think it was, you know, on a, like a Von Miller, 
Miles Garrett type level. Solid, you know, ran four six flat. His arms just under thirty four inches, weighed two fifty three. Thought it was a good workout. Tyree Wilson didn't didn't get a chance to see him do anything coming off the foot, but Buck, you got he's got almost thirty six inch arms uh, at six oh five five. So six five and five eight's two hundred seventy one pounds. You can see there's a lot there's a lot to that dude, man. There's a lot to the dude. And so that conversation at the top of the board between Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson becomes really interesting because now you look at Will Anderson and you wonder, okay, how much more am I going to get as a pro versus you look at Tyree Wilson and you watch the same. We could talk about it being Big 12 play. Uh, not only intriguing physical attributes, superior length and all that. And we've seen how that has been able to work, but he's also a work to be off the edge. That conversation might be a little more tightly contested and debated that we might have anticipated heading into the draft process because we've heard about Will Anderson for the last year and a half. Maybe somebody else is the first pass rusher off the board. Yeah, no, I, I think it's entirely possible. People lost their minds in that last mock draft when I had him going ahead of Will, and they're like, there's no way. Michael, let's just get to the combine. You're going to start here, and the, it'll start building and picking up. Now, we'll see how it all shakes out, but he's he's definitely in the mix. Uh, a couple other nugs here. Uh, Nolan Smith running 4-3-9. I mean, come on, man. Uh, and and the Hassan Reddick was the comp for me going through that process. He he was excellent. You saw his explosiveness jumped out of the gym as well. It's a really deep group, man. I've got ten deep. I got ten edge rushers in my uh, in my top fifty. Buck, ten of them. Ten of them, DJ. And so it's it's, it's the draft that we talk about, like up front edge players uh, being able to put it together. Nolan Smith is interesting to me because he had a lot of buzz coming into the season. Uh, you see him play off the edge, had the injury, and you kind of like forget about him. And then you look at the sack production, it's not high, but then you see the athleticism. I know some people have talked about the Leonard Floyd comparison maybe and those things, but remember, Leonard Floyd didn't pop in Chicago, but he popped in the with the Rams. And so it's taking Nolan Smith and putting him in a situation where he can do the things that play to his skill set. The Hassan Reddick comparison is great. We've never seen Nolan Smith kind of get after the quarterback like that. I think you have to have a plan for how you're going to utilize him. But that athleticism, it's freaky. You got to yeah. find a way to unlock that. So that's you what remember, the coaches have figured out. You remember Reddick? It was like, gosh, is he you know coming out? Is he off the ball? Do you play him on the ball? And they tried to make him jack of all trades, and all of a sudden they just said, screw it, let's just let this dude rush. I know he's 240 pounds, but let's just let him rush. And guy goes out and was second in the league in sacks last year. I mean, he's just continued to put double-digit sack year after double-digit sack year. Uh, he's a nightmare to block. Linebacker-wise, Buck, I don't think this is a great linebacker class. I don't think we're going to see many of them go. In fact, I think there's a very real chance we don't have one go in the first round uh, when it's all said and done. But just anybody jump out to you there in the group. No, nobody jumped out at me, but I think we are in line in terms of how we, we see the linebacker class. There's not one in my mind that will probably pop in the first round in terms of their talent equating to, hey, this is going to be a dominant first-round player. I like Drew Sanders, but look, I mean, it, it, it is what it is when it comes to athleticism. Trent Simpson has great athleticism, but I worry about the instinct in terms of that. And then the rest of the guys are good players, but I don't think they're great players worthy of being selected in the first round. The combine, to me, kind of verified that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we get to the corner position. Again, one of the deeper positions. Let's go through here. Let me see how many I've got. I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, I believe seven corners in my top 50 and other candidates in the mix. I mean, I think it's a really, really good group of corners. Um, 
you know, it's interesting in talking to teams. You'll see, I know Christian Gonzalez is the one who combines the size, speed, fluidity, the best of all the top guys. If we're going to say Porter, Gonzalez, Witherspoon, right? Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, mm-hmm. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. But um, I, to me, I still think Devin Witherspoon is the best football player. And then you're going to have mm-hmm. some people who are going to go with the traits and go with Christian Gonzalez. And I feel like Porter... Porter's number two for a lot of people. I, I talk to people that have Witherspoon one. I talk to people that have Gonzalez one. But everybody seems to like uh, Porter is that number two guy. I think all three of these guys go in the top 20, man. Good players. The one that I have the biggest Joy Porter Jr. The reason I have concerns about Joy Porter Jr. is because of the reason why he might not have worked out. I don't know if he has a toolbox that will enable him to play another style outside of bump and run. And if you don't have that, I'm more likely to get the guy who has a more rounded set of skills. Uh, you think about Sauce Gardner. Even though Sauce Gardner spent primarily most of his time nose-to-nose playing press coverage, he you can see off. on tape, he could play off. He had that, and we saw it play out for the Jets. Porter doesn't have that. When I watch him, he never backpedals. He uses kind of like that side shuffle technique, and I worry about him because of his length, him getting twisted up. To me, there are guys that are better overall with their skill set, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him just tumble a little bit, even though there are a lot of people that like him. I think they're better players that may get drafted behind him in terms of just how complete their skill sets are. Yeah, I ended up with Witherspoon, then Gonzalez, then Porter. Deontay Banks moving up, man, from Maryland. He ran 4-3-5, man. man. He was rolling. He was rolling. DJ going in like prior to the combine, taking a look at his tape and just seeing the size, length, the athleticism. Still kind of... You know, like the funny thing, because I think you can lump you can lump Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, and Elias Ricks, and all these other guys. There's a there's a collection of guys that are the bump and run, long, rangy type corner. Banks is that, but his athleticism. If we're having that contest between him and Joey Porter Jr., he's the better athlete. You get a lot of the same attributes, but he is the better athlete. And what are you banking on? And there's not a lot of ball production from either one. Normally, in these debates, you go into more explosive, more dynamic athletes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ended up going ahead of him. You know, Brian Branch is a nickel. Um, some people, again, we talked about a bunch. People have him in the safety stack. I mean, he's going to be a nickel. Did not, and he ran four five eight. So he's not going to be able to play outside at corner. Um, but he's just a really good player. I actually, thought he had a really good field workout. Um, just didn't run fast. The, the maybe the most intriguing one by <laughs> is Emmanuel Forbes. I don't recall ever grading a 166 pound quarterback much less 166 pound quarterback who's almost six foot one has 32 and change arms but he ran four three five so when we look at guys that have you know a glaring hole like they're not you you, we use the term in scouting clean like he's not height weight speed Mm -hmm. clean if you're not clean in one area one of the rules and and i think it's smart Mm -hmm. to live this way is you better be exceptional everywhere else well this guy is only 166 pounds and people say oh like People were joking on social media, like, oh, DK Metcalf, what did he do to this guy? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if he cuts off the route, gets his hands on the ball, because he's got elite speed. He's got elite length. He's got, I mean, elite, elite ball skills. He got the best ball skills of anybody in the whole draft. Guy's got six pick sixes in his career. Um, so I, I I get it. He's probably not, he's not going to go in the first round. No 166 pound corner is likely to go in the first round. But I'll tell you what, I sure as crap would take him in the second round. So here's funny. Um, I love him. I have an he's un- a great player, man. He's one of the I, most fun I, players I to watch him. the whole draft. 
I love him as a player. And there's a thing for, we you know how we talk about wide receivers with skills, craftsmen. DJ, there's not a better player from off than Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, I wrote down in my notes, he reminds me of Xavier Howard in terms of the way that they play cover zero at Mississippi State, the way that he plays and drives on ball. You talked about the six pick sixes. To me, he is the perfect corner for a, a Brian Flores-type defense. The problem is he's 166. That said, I did not know he was going to run 4-3. And that 4-3 will make a lot of co- coaches change their mind. And so when we're talking about 25 to 35, Emmanuel Forbes is coming off the board somewhere in there. That, that bottom of the first round, top of the second round, he's the first one. If he gets past day one, he's going to be one of the first 10 players picked in day two, on day two. 100%. I, the names that I wrote down when I watched him were Samari Roll and Fred Smoot, um, oh, who were real one. skinny, slight guys that could play. Samari, Samari Roll may be the, the one that – They're only like five up. pounds difference. I mean, there's not much difference from weight-wise. Was Samari Roll the first-round pick? Uh, I don't think so. I think he was a second-round yeah, pick. Wonder. I know he was a really good player. I know he played for Jerry Gray for a long time with the uh, Titans. I'm trying to put it up, see when he gets drafted. Um, second round. So you're right. Yeah. Second round. Yep. What pick was he, Buck? Does it say? Uh, say 46. 46 yeah. overall. That's. I mean, that's. That's we're talking. DJ, we're talking we, the same if, language. If we go, if we go with the beauty pageant, that's where he is. 46. Good player. Made it to the Pro Bowl. Was a really good player for a long time. Uh, I, I I was with him in Baltimore. He was a great player yeah, coming I mean, over from the Titans. Yeah, really good player. Just a good player. So that that was the the comp that came out there. Again, we had other guys roll. Um, DJ Turner ran four two six. Wish he would have done the workout after that. Didn't uh, Ringo ran four three six to be expected. Jartavis Martin, I love the nickel corner from Illinois. He ran four four six, plenty fast enough. Terrell Smith from Minnesota is a good player. He ran four four one. Tyreek Stevenson, maybe there was a little question mark there with his speed four four five. I mean, Jacorian, I mean, we could go on and on. Jacorian Bennett uh, from Maryland. Julius Brintz you know, had a really solid workout, didn't run as fast, but jumped out of the gym. Riley Moss, 4-4-5. Shamari Connor, who can play nickel, safety, corner, you name it. Um, he ran well. So it's it's a deep group, man. Like I, The first three rounds, you're going to see a zillion of these corners. They're going to fly. A couple of things. Uh, I think maybe the memo has, has been spread to the high schoolers that we've talked about. For so <laughs> we've long. been preaching that, DJ. man. DJ, when you look at this group, there's a better collection of athletes in the DB room oh, than yeah. at wide receiver. It's Significantly. A more, yeah, it's a more explosive group at defensive back. You're seeing guys that are six foot or taller, um, run fast, guys who actually have skills who are not like late conversions, guys that just made the switch in college. Because of that, there's a better product that is being produced at defensive back now than in the past. I'm really excited about this group. Even though we might not have the Sauce Gardner, the top five pick, to me, this is a deeper group than we've seen in the past with more guys that can legitimately come in on day one, play and have success on the island. Yeah, and and you're right, man. We've been beating that drum, and I feel like we're finally making some <laughs> – we're making inroads, Buck. We're getting, we're getting some traction here because it used to be – I mean, you had wide receivers for days and days and days, and you're like, man, it just – we can't even – we don't have enough room on the board to stack all these guys. And it was like, can anybody play corner? Uh, maybe move some of those wide receivers over. You want to try and convert some of these guys? Not anymore. This is a good group. Really good group. And 
the other thing, we're seeing guys with ball skills. And so, like, being able to, to, to turn the ball over is huge. It's a, it's a huge nugget. But the size, the size and the tackling, it really matters. And so, seeing better tackles, not just the cover corners who are making business decisions, that part is, is look, it's important because we also are seeing where if you have a guy who can't tackle, it's hard to win games. It's hard to play great defense with those guys. No doubt. Uh, safeties real quick. We'll wrap this up. Uh, Sidney Brown from Illinois had a great workout. Him and his twin brother. Um, he was uh, 211 pounds, ran 447. Jordan Battle ran 455, which was a good time for him. Tell you what, Antonio Johnson from AM, everything I was told he was going to run in the mid four sixes, dude rolled 452. Um, that's a great time for him. Helped himself. Um, you know, the, the Daniel Scott from Cal is a favorite of mine. He ran 445. Mm-hmm. He's going to go in the third round. Um, the one that I want to talk to you real quick about, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Jair Brown, Penn State. I thought he's the best safety in the draft. He's a former corner. Yep. He's a really good player. He's got production. He he ran slow amongst the group. He ran four six five. Was not a good time for him. But I would contend of the positions on defense, Buck. I think safeties because your eyes are more important than your speed. Mm-hmm. That I think he's going to end up being a value pick. I, he's going to get punished for the forty. He's going to end up dropping. Um, but I think whoever gets him is going to get a really good player. And if if you run four three and I run four six, but I'm two steps ahead of you because my eyes took me there, that advantage is gone. The other thing that he has in his bag, he is the takeaway king. Turnovers, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. He's always around the ball. Those guys have a tendency to do the same thing when they get to the pro. Yes, the 40 time will hurt him and may ding him a round. But the player that you're getting is another plug-and-play player who's going to be a big-time performer in the right defense. The defense, I can see him playing for the Buffalo Bills, stepping right in and having oh, the kind yeah. of success that they've been having with Micah Hyde and Jordan for you for years. Great call, man. That's a great call and a great fit. Um, all right, this has been a jam-packed episode today. It's been a lot of fun. We are headed towards the uh, start of free agency. Uh, Buck, we're going to be together, I believe, up in L.A. doing some shows together on free agency frenzy. They still call it that, I right? think Sunday. Yeah, I think Sunday. I think Sunday. Like, we get a Is chance really? to do some of that Sunday? stuff. Sunday? Gosh, I got to look, I gotta I, look I, at my schedule. You know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the schedule on Sunday for total access, but yeah. We have oh, a chance crap. to do some of that I got to look at the schedule now. Um, all right. This has been a fun <laughs> one. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, love breaking this down with Buck. Um, and we'll be back again here soon with uh, with more draft content. We'll have the free agency frenzy for you. We've got all your needs covered right here on Move the Sticks. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander.